Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode four of the On In Two podcast. It's an Idaho Golf Association production. My name is Taylor Little, and thank you so much for joining us. Episode four is an awesome one. We have your reigning 2020 Women's State Amateur title winner, Brooke Patterson. And uh, she walks us through her entire tournament. We had a blast. It was awesome to talk to her. We talked for well over an hour and I've trimmed it down for you a little bit here and it's uh, it's a lot of fun and, and she is a, she's just a blast to talk to when it comes to golf. So let's get right into it. Brooke, have you gotten used to being called the 2020 Women's State Amateur Champion in the state of Idaho yet? Yeah. Um... You know, the first kind of day after definitely didn't. And then kind of the next day um, after that, it really did. And um, everyone was just super positive and had so many nice things to say. And it was kind of cool just to know you have so much support behind you and everything. And so I think those people kind of helped me realize like, wow, I actually did that. So it was a really cool feeling. I saw you posted on social media that day or maybe that mm -hmm. night and you got so much of just like a groundswell of response. Have, have your mm -hmm. followers always been that way or or have they been that interactive all the time? Yeah, so, you know, um, <clears throat> with my golf Instagram, I kind of tried to grow it a lot. Um, when I first started golfing, I kind of started it and um, I originally turned my personal Instagram into a golf Instagram just to kind of track my progress. And it started from the bottom, like 300 followers. And then a lot of college coaches started to come in and um, a lot of other people who just are kids in golf and all of the junior golfers. And so, you know, people are really supportive of me. They really like, you know, what I post and I try to be pretty authentic and real about what is going on in my life. Um, so yeah, they're all pretty um, supportive of me that way. Well, before we talk about the championship and, and kind of the road to at least through the tournament, let's talk about how you got started in the game of golf, how long you've been playing golf, um, mm -hmm. just kind of, Familiarize our listeners a little bit with who you are and how you got into the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I grew up playing all different kinds of sports. Um, when I was younger, I played soccer, softball, um, pretty much every sport you can think of. And then um, one day I was playing competitive soccer at the time. And so I was a really good soccer player at, you know, age 10 through 12. And, um, and then my dad was kind of you know, telling me, hey, like golf's kind of cool and everything. And um, he played college baseball. And so he kind of wanted me to, you know, try something different. And um, he kind of gets that side of um, sports and stuff. And, you know, I kind of was wanting to play something in college, didn't know if it was going to be soccer or what, but I started playing golf. And eventually I um, stopped going to soccer practices and played golf instead. And so eventually I never went to soccer practice anymore. But, um, yeah, so I started playing golf at age 12, um, a little bit later than most people have. Um, and then I never started playing in tournaments until I think I was 14. So I've only been playing two competitive um, seasons of golf. This, this is my third summer, which is <laughs> really crazy. Um, just how much I've grown and, you know, I really work hard at what I do. And um, it's obviously paid off. It's still paying off. I'm on a huge upswing right now, you know. There's a lot of things going on. Um, so, yeah, I would say my dad really got me into golf, and he kept me dedicated, and, but it was really all me. Um, just people along the way just keep subtly pushing me and pushing me, but ultimately I really just kind of created this for myself. What was that 
progression curve like? I mean, if you're only in your third competitive season and you started playing four years ago, because you're 16 right now, right? Yeah. If you only started that long ago, I mean, how how good did you get how quickly? Um, I would say, well, I remember, so 12, I was in sixth grade. Um, I would say, I remember in seventh grade, every single day after school, I would spend two to three hours after school on the golf course, just playing with my dad, practicing, chipping, putting, doing whatever. And Katie Summers at Banbury was my coach at the time. And I give her so much credit for, you know, just teaching me the fundamentals of the game. And I definitely wouldn't be the player I am without her. Um, and so Banbury, I was there all the time, every single day. Um, I wouldn't do my homework until after dinner. I didn't care about school. I just wanted to play golf. And so it was a lot of steady growth, but also an extremely um, steep hill of growth um, just because I got so good so fast. And it was really cool to see. I think I was pretty athletic when I was younger and I still am. And so that's something that helped me get to where I am. Um, and so, yeah. So a little bit odd in that in your, I guess now third season of competing or competing, excuse me, you got an entire spring of high school golf taken away. Um, what was kind of the, the mindset when you found out that that had happened and, and uh, I mean, what kind of blow was that to you personally? Yeah. Well, so, um, I think kind of helping describe what it felt like was, um, obviously freshman year, um, I came runner up at state, um, by one to a teammate, um, great teammate lover. And, uh, it was a great season. It really helped me, um, you know, kind of jumpstart my summer. And I think that's what a lot of uh, junior golfers love about high school golf is it just gets you ready for summer. And so I was so bummed when, you know, um, we only played one match, a nine hole match before it got canceled. And I was extremely upset about it just because, you know, we didn't lose any seniors the year before. And so we had our whole team and then obviously we lost five or six of them. Um, this year and so it was kind of a letdown a little bit just because you know it's something fun it was going to get me ready for summer just a great atmosphere I had such a fun time during my freshman year and so I was really looking forward to sophomore year but you know it is what it is and um, I'm excited for next year too. What did the spring look like for you after everything got canceled more time to work on your golf game I'm assuming when you're schooling from home? Yeah um you know, so a lot of my tournaments got canceled. I was supposed to go to a lot of tournaments um, kind of during the golf season. I think I had two or three that I was supposed to go to. Um, uh, one over spring break and everything, and they all got canceled. And we were kind of freaking out. Obviously, at that time, nobody knew what was kind of going on. Um, but it gave me a lot of time to just, you know, um, work on my game and get better and get ready. The dropping was my very first tournament um, back to 36-18, which was – um, a pretty crazy experience to have that be your first tournament back, but it really helped me because obviously school kind of gets in the way of golf, as I like to say. Um, but uh, it was cool to just, you know, be on the golf course pretty much all day, um, do a little bit of school work after dinner and then do it all again the next day. And I think that really, really helped me. Um, but obviously, you know, it's never the same when you can't have that like competitive drive, competitive juices flowing when you can't play in tournaments. So that's probably how my spring went. You run around with a 
pretty big group of really competitive junior golfers. Um, yes. When none of you guys were in school, were, were you just kind of pushing each other, playing together and practicing together like every single day? Or what did that look like in the spring? Yeah. So um, I tried to play with um, as many junior golfers as possible. I have, we have a really kind of close group um, of kids that, you know, we just all mess around. I'm a member at Spurwing. And so all the Spurwing kids are out there and we play Banbury a lot. And, you know, I played River Birch a couple times with, you know, a couple um, of my high school teammates and stuff and um, girls from other schools and everything. And so, you know, I, we really just tried to just keep it fun and lighthearted and just make the most of what was going on. And we were able to just practice together, grow together and just have fun. So at the beginning of summer, when when the schedule sort of solidified a little bit and you had a better idea of where and when you could play. Um, I'm assuming you probably reevaluated some goals and some expectations for the summer. What did those goals and expectations look like that you had to kind of adjust a little bit? Yeah, so um, I would say, you know, I really did want to win. Like That's the goal with everyone, I think, is just to win. Um, and so the kind of beginning of my summer, you know, I started going to um, Dave Parker over at Pierce Park as my golf coach. I've been with him for about four or five months now. And, you know, we kind of created some goals together. And something I really like about him is kind of what his thing was with, you know, making goals. It's always your family first, and then your morals and ethics second and third. And you always have to, you know, stay true to yourself before you can even get a win under your belt and stuff like that. And so, you know, I just kind of had to um, stay focused, stay dedicated, keep grinding and everything. And eventually all of those goals would come true and then obviously districts and then the women's am happened and it's been really awesome so well let's talk about districts a little bit out at river birch you <laughs> went pretty deep and and took away a championship there uh tell me a little bit about that round what went into it um preparation and then just kind of you start off the summer with a win your mm -hmm. one goal met uh you know what what kind of was the expectation after that yeah. Um, so I would say going into that, I had the mindset that I'm going to win this tournament. Um, I think that was one of the turning points, obviously, for me to win the Women's Am. But I think that, you know, during that round, I was just staying positive. I knew there was a lot of gettable holes. And I knew that, you know, my wedge game and um, how accurate I am off the tee was going to get me that win. And it did. And um, it gave me a lot of confidence knowing that, okay, Brooke can actually do this. Um, and I feel like I knew that from the beginning, but, you know, wins obviously solidify that. Um, and so it kind of just gave me more confidence than I already had. And going into state, I said, well, if I've won districts, I can definitely win this tournament. There's not anybody that I feel like I can't beat. Obviously, there's great girls in the field and you always want to win. And we're always very competitive with each other. But um, that first day at state really solidified it for me. Um, I knew I had to go low because you always expect you know, everyone to do well. Um, and I think that was my mindset, you know, just get one birdie after another. Well, let's just talk about the state tournament. Let's just dive in Elkhorn golf course. Um, if you've never been there before, highly recommend it, uh, based on views alone, it's a beautiful place to play golf. You're the only golfer under par by quite a lot in round number one, you go out and shoot a first round 69 with no bogeys on the back nine and a four under 32. Um, decent golf, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, like I said, um, I think we're all, me especially, 
I'm, I'm always taught that, you know, you expect everyone to make everything. You expect everyone to hit a good shot. And going into that round, I was my expectation was everyone shot a 65 that day. And, you know, um, I think that it really helped me that way. Obviously, my dad is super supportive and he knows my game better than anyone. He's out there with me all the time. You know, me and dad are um, a great team and he knows my game so, so well. And so it was nice to have him on the bag, just, you know, keeping me calm, but also keeping me motivated and stuff like that. So, you know, um, came out with a first hole three putt on the very first hole. And so, um, you know, I just had to get back from that. Um, and so I was just kind of staying steady. Um, I would say hole number three, the par three is, that's a tough hole. Like, honestly, that's a tough hole. And if you par that hole, um, you definitely gain a stroke on the field. Um, that front nine is not easy. Um, and so I was just kind of staying steady, you know, just going through the motions, trying to get as many birdies as possible, capitalizing on all of that. And then I really kind of went off on the back. Uh, I thought those holes were a lot gettable. The pin placements were nice. Um, and, you know, some birdies are not, aren't expected. Um, like hole 14, I birdied that hole. I mean, I sunk like a 20-footer for birdie. That hole is also extremely hard. Um, and so it was nice to get out with, you know, a birdie there. Um, and then obviously I'm very confident in my wedge game on 18. I got it to about six inches um, from 116 out. And so that was my three under birdie. And, you know, what's funny about that round is my dad, he was so into it. He was so into every shot, which I really appreciated that he didn't even know I shot three under. <laughs> and so um, it was kind of cool to like experience that with him. He's like, what'd you shoot? I was like, I think I shot four under on the back. And he's like, He's like, really? I was like, yeah. He's, and it was just cool, like, to talk about it after. Um, he's like, I was so invested in every shot that you were hitting that I didn't even realize. And so it was, it was nice to have that, um, just to both, both of us be invested in just one shot at a time. I mean, honestly, you can't hear that ever enough. Um, so that was kind of my first round. And it ended up being, being pretty great having a four-shot lead going into day two. Well, before we move to day two, uh, two things that I want to touch on. One, we talked a little bit after your final round or and your first round, I guess, about your dad being on the bag for the very first time. Mm -hmm. um, I want to know how that came to be, uh, how he came to be your caddy, and, and what that conversation was like. I mean, were there some were there some ground rules like, Dad, you got to let me hit some shots and go for it when I want to go for it, or was it just like, Hey, I'm all in. You hand me the club. You hand me the number. We'll get this thing done. Yeah, so actually, so before the, okay, so obviously junior golf, we're not allowed to have caddies really. And so I've never really had a caddy. I played U.S. kids golf when I was um, younger, like 13, 14. Um, and so he got to caddy for me then. And obviously it was a little bit different. And so I hadn't had a caddy ever. And I wasn't planning on having a caddy literally going into the first day. Like I, I like the day before that night, I was like, I need dad to be my caddy because, you know, I think we didn't realize how hard it was to walk Elkhorn um, in our practice round. We had a cart, obviously, um, the practice round, but I just didn't think that I would have been able to do it um, by myself. And so originally I was going to walk and play by myself. And I then after the practice round, my dad and I talked about it. I was like, can you at least push my cart? And I didn't realize that um, I was going to get like a riding cart. And so um, that was nice also. Um, so originally it was just, he was going to be there to get me numbers and, you know, just confirm shots. I used to think out loud um, and have my dad kind of 
confirm spots to aim and that's really it. Um, that was kind of what he was there for. Um, just when we were in the cart, we weren't really talking about shots. We were kind of just talking about other things. Um, and that was a big part of um, why I went so low that first day. We weren't even really realizing how low I was going. Um, and so it was nice to have him on the bag just to, from that aspect. Another person in your pairing was pretty familiar to you for two straight days um, because there was no repairing after the first round. You played the first two rounds with Karen Darrington, um, mm -hmm. somebody who you ought to be fairly familiar with from your Girls Junior America's Cup run last summer. Um, she was there greenside when you finished up on Saturday. Uh, was that like another level of comfort when you saw the tee sheet and you're like, okay, I'm with Karen. I feel good about mm -hmm. this. Yeah, I definitely felt like I, I got lucky with that one. I mean, honestly, couldn't have been um, any better of a pairing. Um, Karen is such a great person just to look up to in golf, just to look up to as a person. Um, I think we really got along well at Girls Junior America's Cup in Marietta. And, you know, she helped me a lot. So it was interesting to kind of play against her versus playing with her. But she's still the same Karen. And I really appreciate, you know, everything that she's done for me because she um, kind of looking back at my summer last year to this year, I've grown so much even, um, then. And so she got to finally see it. I hadn't seen her in a little bit. So she finally got to see it at state and she's like, Brooke, you've really improved. And she said she was proud of me. And so it was kind of cool to, you know, be with her those first two days. And, you know, she was in the cart walking up 18 with me. And so it was a cool feeling. The first day I came out to the back nine, I think I caught you guys when you were on the 17 T. And you had already teed off. Uh, I believe Karen had just hit her shot. And then I think you, you guys played with Ann Barr. Is that right? Yes. The first two days? Uh -huh. Okay. I think Aaron or Ann was hitting her shot. And Karen came over to me and she said, Brooks two under. And I said, oh, on this <laughs> side? And she goes, no, she's three under on this side. I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. So I think that she was very invested in what you were doing. Um, she seemed... <laughs> both days when I would come out and check on you, I knew exactly where you stood as soon as I pulled up. Uh, so I think that that was, it was cool to see that. It's always fun to see when people get invested into their playing partners and, and how they're mm -hmm. playing. So. Yeah, um, it was cool. I liked playing with her and, um, and, and was super cool, great competitor. She's just great to play with. Honestly, could not have had a better pairing. Both of them were absolutely awesome. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Day two, you kind of the inverse uh, we get off to a hot start. We birdie one and you're off and running and yep. another birdie comes on five. The only birdie all week on that downhill par five. Um, and you're probably feeling pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. The second day was interesting. Um, it was a lot windier that day. Um, so I think the scores were obviously just a little bit higher. Um, obviously when you get weather, um, it is harder to play golf. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I just made a couple bogeys um, that kind of hurt me a little bit. Um, that eight and nine, those are two extremely tough holes. I don't care what anyone says. Those are hard holes. And if you par those holes or birdie those holes, I mean, you, you get strokes on the field, honestly. Um, and so I just kind of got some bad breaks on nine, I believe. Nine's a crazy tee shot with that bunker right there. It's kind of you can carry it, but it's, it's a reach a little bit. And so, you know, you can't miss left or right. There's OB on both sides. And so just didn't quite convert on that hole. And so I think I'm one under going into 10 and then I, um, I believe I bogey 10, maybe, I don't know. 
Um, I think I bogeyed 10. I don't know. I bogeyed a couple holes on the back that just kind of, you know, it didn't necessarily break my momentum. It just kind of, you know, kept not converting it in the way I wanted it to. Um, but honestly, I was proud of the 75. I would take 75s all day, um, every day. Obviously, it's just a little bit different when you have the lead and you shoot three over. Um, but I felt like I played well. I hit the ball great. Um, just couldn't quite convert any birdies. I had a lot of lip out birdies. Um, I had a lot of good par saves. And so I just didn't quite get to where I wanted that second day. Should be mentioned. Uh, first day you played early in the morning, probably the best conditions of the week, uh, on, exactly. on Thursday mm-hmm. on the back nine Friday, um, winds were gusting up to like 40 ish miles an hour. You were, <laughs> you were out yeah. there in the middle of it late on Friday. And I, I wonder if you could shed some light for me on what the mentality was on the back nine when things started to kind of slip a little bit, was it like, Hey, we're just holding on for dear life or no, we're just going to push through this and keep doing what we need to keep doing to make sure that the number stays where it needs to stay. Yeah. So, um, obviously any, any Idaho golfer can tell you that we hit and wind all the time. I hit and play in wind a lot. And so it was nice having my dad there obviously because he's with me a lot when I play in the wind and, He's got some good knowledge on, you know, what clubs I should hit and how much wind affects the ball and everything. So that was a big help. But no, it wasn't really holding on for dear life. I think I was still trying to, you know, convert um, putts to birdies and all of that. And it didn't really phase me at all. I was used to the wind. And obviously, it it did play a factor on some of my shots. But honestly, it was kind of just all mental like if you can mentally overcome the fact that this is what it is and everyone has to play in it then that's just how it is and obviously I had made a couple dumb mistakes and so that just kind of converted to my 75 but I was really proud of the way I played. I'm curious to know too I I asked you this after the final round but um, sleeping on a lead for two nights in a row you said you hadn't done it before what did you do to try to take your mind off of it? Were you just thinking about it nonstop, no matter what happened? I mean, what, what was kind of going on off the golf course? Yeah. So after the first day, um, I was kind of, I was okay. After the first day, I slept well. (laughs) I ate breakfast that morning. Um, it was good going into day two. I felt like, you know, I was confident and all of that. And, you know, I had it like I was, I was going to go out there and shoot another low number. Um, and then, you know, I have the lead by two after day two coming off of the 75. And, you know, I was a little bit disappointed coming off the seven. Obviously now I say that, you know, the 75 was a good number for that day in those conditions. And it was, but obviously that night I was a little bit bummed just because I could have gone lower and I could have, you know, extended my lead a little bit more. And so, you know, that night was Okay. We ate dinner, like, you know, we went into town, we kind of walked around and everything, and it was fine. We weren't really talking about much golf. And then I woke up that next morning, and I didn't tell my dad until after. I didn't tell anyone. I was shaking when I woke up that morning. Like, I couldn't eat. Like, I I eventually ate, but I could not eat anything. I was shaking. My hands were shaking. Um, Getting to the golf course, I was sweating a little bit like I could not even function I don't know what was happening to me it's like this is the weirdest feeling I've ever felt and then you know typically um when I get to the range I kind of settle down and I start hitting shots and then I'm okay and um during the round I was not nervous at all 
I didn't have any like timid shots. I didn't say like, oh my gosh, this is a crazy shot that I need to like hit the fairway. I was still playing aggressive until obviously 18 um, when my dad told me I had a one-up lead. Um, that was probably the craziest feeling um, in the whole world. That tee shot was absolutely insane. I remember hitting the tee shot and, you know, taking my follow through and then the like kind of backlash of the follow through was extremely um rapid and fast like I just picked the tee up and walked to the car like I just um I couldn't handle it and so I just had to get off the tee box super fast um and then walking to the next hole walking to the next shot um I could have laid up or went for it that hole's a little bit tough um just because it's a little bit longer and so I had I think 260 to the pin and I hit an eight iron um tried to just get to a hundred and, I bench, and then I think just adrenaline got me to like 90 yards. And so I don't know how I hit like 160 yard eight iron, but I did. And so then it starts pouring rain. And so, you know, my dad just stopped the car. And he's like, we're not hitting the shot until, you know, the rain dies down and all of that. And so we kind of just sat there, let the rain kind of just calm down. We eventually got up to that third shot. And honestly, I could not have hit a better third shot. I think that third shot won me the tournament. That's the best shot I've ever hit. That wedge shot was crazy. The pin placement was crazy. Um, could not have hit it any better. And so, you know, I just converted that two putt. Shakiest two putt I've ever made in my entire life. But, you know, it happened. So. <laughs> well, let's come back to that because I have a I have a story that maybe you don't even know about uh, from the middle of the fairway on 18. But okay. at the start of that round, uh, you mentioned – feeling not so great at the start of the day and got to the range and was a little jittery when you pulled up uh to the first tee with your dad it legitimately looked like you had seen a ghost uh, <laughs> in the cart and I was nervous for you and I'm, you. I'm curious to know the final day was the only day that it was mentioned this is your tournament leader this is the total instead of just from Eagle Idaho Brooke Patterson yes. Did you hear it? Did it resonate with you? I mean, what was kind of the, when you're standing there on the tee box getting ready to hit that first shot, what's, what's running yeah. through your mind? Yeah. So the second day it was just Rob Patterson from Eagle Idaho. And then the, the, obviously you said tournament leader. And I was, honestly, I wasn't, I tried not to pay much attention to kind of the words and everything. And I was just focusing on a target and, you know, hitting the shot and where I wanted it to. Number one, um, is a hard hole if you don't carry those bunkers. Um, and so I was just focused on carrying the bunkers, hitting a good shot. That that hole, actually, I really like. It really fits my eye. And so, you know, I hit a great shot all three days. And that shot was probably the best one I hit. I just think I was laser focused. You know, I wasn't going to let anything phase me. I wasn't going to let anything into my mind. And so I think the first tee shot I was proud of because of the fact that, you know, I was able to mentally kind of stay in it and stuff. So, so after the front nine, you're one over on the day. And I think you probably knew this coming off of the nine green, or at least through the scoring area that you had a one shot lead headed into the back. Yes. I joined you uh, in the middle of the 10 fairway. And I heard you and your dad have a conversation and I could not tell until after the round, whether or not you guys had clubbed up or clubbed down. Because when you hit the shot, you had said, I'm so glad we hit this club and then it skipped over the back. So I didn't know if it was too strong or if you just had a lot of adrenaline going. One, did you know where you stood coming through the scoring area? And two, what was kind of the thought process on that second shot on 10? 
Yeah, so I did know where I was coming off of nine. I knew that Kellyanne and Anne were still both really close, and I knew that Peyton was pretty close too, and she was one under on the day. So I was aware of that. And then uh, on 10, so the wind was dead in our face on that hole. And so I hit, a, I had hit a seven iron off the tee. And the first two days, it was a good club to hit because there was no wind and it got a little bit farther. And then the third day, I obviously didn't hit it as far because it's dead into the wind. And so I had one six, 156, 157 into that back pin. And so the wind is straight in our face, probably 10 to 15 miles an hour. And so um, what my dad and I do is for every mile per hour of wind, we add one yard. Um, and so that was probably playing like 165, 167-ish. And so for me, that club would normally be an Idaho 7-iron. Um, and so obviously in elevation and everything, we were debating between 7 and 8. And I originally picked 7 to hit that shot. And so I get up there and my dad's like, this is just seems like too much club. Like we need to club down. Like, and I was like, I don't know. And then obviously worst case scenario, you want to be short on a back pin, but I still wanted to stick it close. And so I hit the eight and it was still long, um, which was kind of crazy. And honestly, like I couldn't have hit a better shot. I just absolutely peered it and it just was a little bit long. So you come back on the next hole, you make bogey on 10, come back on the next hole mm -hmm. and absolutely just stuff an iron on 11 to <laughs> probably what, five feet, six feet. Yeah, probably four feet to be honest. Okay, yeah, I that would I was be... upset after I bogeyed ten, <laughs> so I had to, I had to just like do that for my mental well being. What What was the conversation like on the eleven t? Yeah, um, it was just you know hit a good number, you know get as close as possible. It was a tucked kind of right pin. Um, if you want to miss, the miss is right. There's a lot of room over there, and so honestly, we were just trying to carry the bunker, <clears throat> and so I had. 145 into that green and the wind's kind of side windy a little bit into us and it's like 135 to carry the bunker so I hit a really good nine iron um to right there and I just made that putt and I was that was a really big momentum shift obviously you know um bogey 12 but um you know going into that and then just birding that was a huge relief for me like it was a momentum shift there so the bogey on 12 I just above the hole had your line it looked like it just slid past yeah i hit the wedge shot and i club twirled that wedge um and it just did not it did not stick like i wanted it to it rolled out a lot and then you know me and kellyanne were both kind of on the top of this hill basically and if you're along of the pin um where that pin was it's straight downhill it's like an ice skating rink the greens rolled so pure all three days and so i just hit it a little bit too hard i barely tapped it and it's just six feet by and um dad and I kind of had a little bit of a disagreement on you know what way that six footer was going to break and I just missed it so um you know can't get super upset at it um obviously but I mean yeah so it was just a little bit of a miscalculation on that six footer 13 14 15 pretty pedestrian pars I mean nothing too crazy um mm -hmm. I think at this point Peyton is still a shot behind you um, mm -hmm. or maybe two at this point, I'm not entirely sure. Um, and then we get to 16 and as you guys roll to the 16 T it just absolutely starts pouring rain and the wind starts blowing. They had moved the T's up that day on 16. So it was kind of gettable probably on a calmer mm -hmm. day for you. Um, what was that like? Gosh, I just can't imagine standing on the 16 T knowing you have a lead and then it just like opens up. 
and you're just yeah. like another variable here. Yeah. So um, we drove up and my dad was like, they moved the tee box up to try to get you to go for it. That's what he told me. His exact words. And um, I said, dad, I'm not going for it. And he's like, well, I agree. You're not going for it. And so I hit hybrid off of the tee, um, just a little bit right in that right rough. And then uh, Kellyanne and Ann both hit driver. Um, and I just felt like driver for me at least wasn't the play. Um, I wasn't about to go for it. I do. I'm okay with laying up and not feeling like I missed out on hitting driver. Um, and then that second shot, the pin is tucked right behind that bunker. It's all sloped to the left. And so I just tried to get a little bit too cute with the wedge and it just did not carry the bunker and it's just right in that bunker. So, and then, you know, that bunker shot was a pretty straightforward bunker shot. It's the problem was a straight downhill, straight breaking left. So it was just really um, kind of slick. And so I just didn't convert that one. You go to the 17th tee after the bogey on 16 in a tie for the lead at the time. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, when we talked after your round, you said you hit it a little bit further right than you wanted to on 17 off the tee. What, what had kind of happened there? Was that because of the wind or was it because of uh, a push? So actually, so on 17, there's obviously the bunkers all down the left and normally I can carry them kind of on a pretty aggressive line. And so that's kind of what I did the first two days. Um, And so right after it rained, you know, the air gets heavier after it rains. And so I knew that my ball was not going to go as far. So I couldn't carry that same line that I did. Um, So I had to go a little bit more right than I wanted to. So it was all intentional that I kind of was aimed at that 150 marker um, just because I knew I couldn't carry those bunkers and just because I knew that I could not be in them. And then obviously that approach shot, the wind or not, I guess it wasn't really windy. Um, just the air was super heavy because always after it rains, pro tip, it, the air is always heavier and it won't go as far. And so um, when I went driver seven iron to about 20 feet and then just two putted there. So that was kind of the mindset on the drive. Peyton's group is almost like an entire hole ahead of you guys. So I can't imagine that you could see what was going on up there. Not that you would be watching anyway, but they were far enough ahead that things had a chance to develop before you got to the next tee. And I'm curious, you said you found out right before you hit your tee shot on 18. Did you know how she had gotten through 15, 16, 17 at that point? Or did you just know before 18 that you had a one shot lead? I knew we were tied 15, 16, and 17, I believe. Okay. I know she, I knew she parred 17, which was a big one um, for her and for me to both par because um, that's just a tough hole in itself. Um, and so I knew we were tied, and then you kind of came up, and then I believe you told my dad that – or no, you no, didn't? I did not. Uh, someone, someone said something to my dad um, that she had bogeyed um, 18 and that I had a one-shot lead, and that was just like – crazy for me to hear like a little bit relieved but also not at the same time because um it was still a very crucial hole to par it's not like oh I can just hit it up there and make a par um that hole is difficult and I'm glad I got away with the par so full disclosure he asked me like six times in the last three holes if I knew where she was and I kept going back and forth between your two groups and I I didn't know I didn't want to answer because I didn't know so when I rejoined her on 18, uh, she was just short of the green. And I was like, I, I think that she made six. 
but I didn't want to say, yeah, she made six and then have you guys be tied and play the whole differently or whatever. Um, so I had no idea. So I don't know who told him was not me, but um, he found out from somebody. So yeah, I think it might've been Karen. I don't know. Okay. I have no idea. You guys Karen had a, was very invested. You had a pretty big gallery there playing up 18. So I yes. would, there was a lot of people there with a lot of cell phones out and a lot of leaderboard watching going on. So, yeah. mm -hmm. um, Okay, so now we're back to 18, and I wanted to tell you about, and maybe he has told you by now, uh, the story that your dad told me after the round about your third shot on 18. Mm -hmm. He said that you guys had tried to lay up to that yardage, and that you were trying to get around 100, and that you had absolutely just gassed that eight iron to that yardage right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He knew that where that pin was, and if you've ever been to, for anybody listening, if you've ever been to Elkhorn, uh, on the right side of the 18 green, there's a little bit of a shelf that that pin was sitting on. So you probably had like a, we'll call it six, seven paces to land it, right? Yes. And short, you're maybe in the front bunker, or at mm -hmm. least in a really tough stance in the collar. Uh, long is completely dead right there, because there's just nowhere yeah. to go. Yeah, there's a bunker. Yeah, it's yeah. bad. So... Your dad told me that he could see kind of your body language and that you were kind of juiced up a little bit. And he gave you a number yeah. that was way shorter than what the actual number was. Did yeah, you know he this? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm not surprised at all because that's something he was actually, he did tell me he did that all day that day. Um, the back nine, he did that a lot apparently. I didn't know that though. So I yeah. probably had, I probably had more than that. In, so, but you said you, you thought you had 116. Is that right? No. So that was the first day I had 116. So okay. he told me 90 yards, 90. Okay. So I think, me. I think you were probably closer to like 82, I think is what he told me or 83. Wow. So, um, probably a good thing. He didn't tell you the yeah. true number. <laughs> well, it's funny because he said 90 and then we played 95, um, because it just poured. And so the air is super heavy now. Um, and so I'm glad he did that. Shout out to my dad <laughs> for doing that. Yeah. But yeah, I honestly could not have hit a better wedge shot into that green. Yeah. I mean, it was phenomenal. I probably the best shot I saw you hit all week. Um, really, really, really good and super impressed. Um, just by the, the entire 18th hole, knowing, knowing that you had a lead to watch you play it, you would have never known because you certainly didn't play tight and, and it looked yeah. like you were very, very comfortable. Thank you. The putt goes down, you know, you just picked up a stadium title. Um, you've got a whole slew of people standing around the 18th green parents, brother, Karen, um, like I don't know, probably 30, 40 people in that gallery right there. Yeah. And mm -hmm. lots of hugs and lots of just congratulations and, and all that stuff. I mean, what do you remember much of it or was it just surreal and kind of a blur? Yeah. I remember, you know, um, I putted out and Kellyanne and Ann both still had to putt. And so I just, you know, I can't like celebrate right then. Um, but I did hug my dad and, um, I just started crying, um, right then. And so, it was kind of cool um, just to like experience all three days with him because um, if I had won the junior am, it wouldn't, it would just have been me, you know? And so it was cool to do that with him. And then obviously everyone put it out and my brother just comes running up to me and he's crying. And um, I don't think I've ever seen my little brother cry because of something like happy. Like obviously like 
um we cried he cries because like I am mean to him or something no I'm not mean to him um but you know it was just a cool thing because um I think he looks up to me a lot and um we're best friends and so it was kind of cool um that moment for us and obviously you captured a little bit of um some pictures of that um which was really cool and so and then my mom was super um ecstatic and you know she's a big supporter um she might not know all the technical terms of golf but she does know how hard I work and she knows that you know, it's a big win and she knows what it meant to me. And so, um, yeah, my whole family, um, is really great support. Was the, uh, was the scoring tent just kind of a formality, like get me through this so I can get this trophy ceremony on the road or what? Um, a little bit. Um, I'm very, I don't, I don't know a word to like say, but I'm always the one at IGA events or any event that is always stays until I hear my score read back to me that you'd already put it in and stuff. I won't leave until um, I know it's read off correctly and everything. And um, that was the same thing for me. And obviously this was um, even more so that I just um, had to stay and had to read it off. And then um, a couple of them were telling me that they kind of messed it up in the golf genius. And then they kind of made one of the other girls score. So it looked like we were tied at the top and that was kind of freaking me out or whatever. Um, and so that was kind of crazy. But um, when I kind of when they confirmed it to me, you know, it was just like a surreal feeling. Like, did I actually just do that right now? And so it was really cool. You finished the tournament at three over for the week. Uh, next closest person to you is Peyton at four over. And then there's a little bit of a gap. And then uh, four ladies at seven over. Obviously, the first round really set you up to kind of just keep building. Mm-hmm. Looking back now. Uh, a few days later, uh, we're recording this on the Thursday after. Is there anything that you would go back and change in those second two rounds? Or is there any shot you would want to have back? Or is there anything that uh, that maybe in reflection now you would play differently, I guess, if if given the opportunity? Um, I would say those last two days, honestly, like they were just kind of normal bogeys, normal mistakes. Um, I don't think I would have played any shot differently. You know, I'm really confident in the way I played. Um, None of those shots, you know, had me looking back and going, gosh, I should have done this differently. My two goals going into um, the stadium were no penalty shots and no double bogeys or higher. And I achieved those two goals. And so I was happy with whatever score I had gotten. Um, bogeys Bogeys don't lose you golf tournaments and that's what I've always been told is bogeys don't lose you golf tournaments and so um I don't think I would have played anything differently obviously you know a couple putts here and there I wish they would have would have um dropped for me but honestly I played that I played all three days super well and I'm really proud of myself two-prong question here what did you go work on the very first practice session back and when was that very first practice session back did you go practice on Sunday so, um, I did not go practice on Sunday. Um, we were supposed to come back on Sunday. Um, we were supposed to stay the night and then go back the next day. But, you know, I think that night we were all just in shock and we just went home that night. Um, so we could all sleep in our own beds and, um, all of that. And then the first thing I practiced, um, well, actually, so it was, so I had a lesson with my coach, Dave on Monday. Um, and so that was kind of cool. And, you know, the first thing we did was started prep for, um, 
Pinecrest in Idaho Falls for the junior ram. And so I would say we, my dad and I did all of my stats and I think I hit 17 to 18 greens the first day and then 14 to 18, 14 to 18 the last two days. And so my putting is something that we're still working on. My putting, honestly, I putted great at Elkhorn. Um, I think if I can just get more birdie putts to drop the 15 feet and in, um, that'll be a game changer. So we worked on um, some putting and we worked on some of the par three yardages for um, Pinecrest. And that was kind of the very first two things we did. Um, we obviously celebrated a little bit um, with, with my family at home and everything. And so those were the things that I worked on and yeah. So Pinecrest up next for the junior stadium, which uh, for people listening is next week. It is the August 10th, 11th and 12th. So I guess it's actually two yeah. weeks away, but yeah. um, other than that, what's on the horizon for the rest of the summer, AJGA schedule or, or what are we looking at? Yeah. So um, we're not exactly sure yet. Um, we're going to see if I can get into a couple AJGAs this fall um, and then kind of go from there. Uh, obviously after state, we're going to evaluate again um, my tournaments and stuff. The PNGA um, tournament got canceled. And so that was going to be a really big one for me also. Um, but we're still trying to figure it out. So hopefully some more AJGAs um, and then maybe just a couple more local tournaments and then that'll be it for me, but it never really stops. And so maybe there's some winter ones and then obviously it's going to be spring again. So, well, Brooke, once again, congratulations on three so really, much. really good days of golf. Um, Thank you. It was a blast to watch from my perspective. And I know that people following along uh, had a blast following along as well. So kudos to you and uh, enjoy the 2020 Women's State Amateur Championship title for another like 360 days <laughs> exactly <laughs> thank you thanks so much again to brooke for joining us uh hard to believe that she's 16 what a great kid uh a great golfer and just a blast to talk to so thank you again so much brooke for coming on we really appreciate the time hey guys in the next week or so we're gonna get like a just a whole bunch of podcasts out at once we're gonna knock them all out Hopefully we'll be talking very soon with Hugo Townsend, your Idaho State Amateur winner. And uh, I got another little surprise one that I think is, will be kind of cool for the college golf fans out there in the next few weeks or so. So stay tuned for that one as well. Again, my name is Taylor Little. This is the On and Two podcast and Idaho Golf Association production. Stay cool out there. We'll see you guys very soon. And thanks once again for tuning in. We'll see you next time.